0: Vino Line Media presents Business First.
1: Hi, all, and welcome to another edition of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host. And today we're gonna talk about uh, what it takes to really build and sustain an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, We know that we are living in tough times and whereas this period has been devastating for a lot of us, it's also been a very creative time for many of us. It's been a time of, you know, we've heard the word many times a time to pivot and many of us have done that successfully we want to be able to talk about what that looks like today we want to talk about you know how you can persevere in good times and bad times because sometimes entrepreneurs can get comfortable with where they are and so we want to look at really like what's the mindset of an entrepreneur and how you can stay on top of your game no matter what's going on in the marketplace and we have the perfect guest today to do that Um, i welcome rhonda ridley who is the ceo of affinity public relations hey rhonda hi sonia how are you i am good
2: i am so glad to have you here Thank you so so much for having me. I'm looking forward to, to speaking with you yeah so we had um
1: some really good conversation off offline and um it's why i'm excited for what our audience is going to be able to hear today um you grew up in a i'm going to say a unique situation I, I mean i've met um many people who have said you know their their parents you know had had encouraged them to you know work for themselves or not be reliant on a, a corporate job uh, but uh, from my personal experience, and a lot of other people I know, that's rare. I, you know, I was raised in a household where you you know you get a good, safe job. Like that's what you do. <laughs> and um, but your mom had had different ideas for you and your siblings. Can you share some of that? Yes.
2: Yeah. I'm a young girl growing up in Jersey City, New Jersey, who had initially a dad who spent some very quality time with me. I didn't realize it was quality time until I was older. And in those moments of quality time, he was always encouraging me to do more, to be more, how I should be treated, what I was made for. And so those things were kind of settled in my spirit by the time my mom became a single parent. My dad passed away when I was 12. And I didn't realize until later that that was even a pivotal age to lose a father. So it caused my mom to have to become very resilient. she's raising three children by herself. And because she had to end up working three jobs, I think her language to us became different because she didn't want us to have to go through what she went through. And so she never asked us what jobs we wanted. She always asked us what businesses did we want to own? And she kind of really instilled that spirit in us. I remember For one Easter, there was an outfit that I wanted. And of course, being a single mom, she couldn't afford to buy it, but she was always a seamstress. So being a seamstress, she had more than one sewing machine. She said to me, if you want this outfit, you're gonna have to make it. And that meant she wasn't gonna stand over me. She wasn't going to micromanage me. I was literally going to have to go into her sewing room, read my patterns and try to learn how to make the outfit that I so desperately wanted for Easter. And that furthered this sort of kind of resiliency in me that whatever I need, I can do it. That I didn't have to rely on a nine to five. I've only had two nine to fives in my life. In my entire life, everything else has been a business that I've started. Everything else, being 10 years old, sitting on my back porch doing people's hair. I've always done hair. I've always made my own clothes. It wasn't until I got married that shopping for clothes became a thing (laughs) because (laughs) I was so used to making my own clothes. And so, you know, for me, even to this very day, I was talking to my mom the other day, and we were just talking about what business is looking like for me now and how I've been able to sustain, you know, throughout the pandemic. Have I had to pivot? Not so much. But do I know what it looks like to have to do so? Absolutely.
1: So I want to go back to your mom asking you, because um, what that brought up for me was I remember as a kid. And, and being with other kids my age that we talked about, like the professions that we were going to, to embark on. And so it was everything from being like a model, an astronaut, to a garbage <laughs> man, to a yes. fireman. Like it was just all of those things, right? All of yeah. the things that we kind of grew up looking at. And so... In an environment where you, and I I don't know if you had any role models of business owners, when your mom said, like, what kind of business are you thinking about starting? Like, what did that, like, what was that conjuring up for you in your head? Like, what did that, what could that possibly have looked like for you?
2: What that looked like for me, Sonya, was that I was going to be a fashion designer. That's what it looked like for me, because that was the thing that I had always known. I didn't think about hair as a business. Doing hair was always fun for me. Right. It was always cathartic for me. It was always wonderful to see people walk away and go, oh, I love my hair. My hair looks mm-hmm. amazing. Oh, my gosh, you did a beautiful job. Sewing was personal for me. And as I began to grow, I, I began to, to kind of go through my grandmother's closets. My grandmother's wardrobe was fire. Growing up like and then she would allow us to go through her drawers and look at her slip her shoes her gloves her hats like the fire of being a fashion designer was just literally burning in me and burning in me then I get to high school and 10th and 11th grade I have a chemistry teacher and I have a biology teacher both of them are fashion magnets I went to class because of the way they dressed. All I knew was that when I graduated high school, I was going to FIT and I was going to become a fashion designer. I was going to have a fashion house. That's what I knew. That's the fire that burned in me when she kept asking. That was the only answer I ever had for her. And she always supported that. That's amazing. So did you ever go into fashion Was that when you graduated? Never.
1: that's what's so crazy <laughs> all right so so what's really important now so we got to talk about this fire right yeah. yeah um and what like what doused it or yeah you know what made it transition into to something else because that's right. your personality your personality is fire right. and so i can't imagine <laughs> that you would
2: have something like burning in you that you would just let go Right. And you're absolutely right. Because when that's the thing my mother always said about me, she said two things. She said, you have more patients than I've ever seen in any adult, and you are never afraid to go with what you believe. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was when when high school was coming to an end, and we started looking at FIT, what we found out was because we lived in New Jersey, My mom was going to have to pay double tuition and she just couldn't do it. And it was the hardest conversation she had to have with me that I was not going to be able to go to FIT. So she said to me, the only thing I can suggest is the next best thing to do is to go to school for business, get your degree in business, get your degree in marketing, get your degree in psychology, be able to know that when the time comes, you'll be able to have that business. And even though I've never, ever, ever gone into fashion business, where I am right now, Sonia, is where I was meant to be. I wow. believe that the reason I was that fire was put into me so young was because it was never supposed to leave me, no matter what I did. It didn't matter what I did, the fire of entrepreneurship, the fire of knowing that I did not have to answer to anyone doing a nine to five, the fire of knowing that taking a risk is one of the most beautiful things that you can do in life. That was imparted into me very, very early. The industry didn't matter. The fire just had to remain.
1: Right. You say so many important things right now because, you know, usually when we're fixated on an idea, getting a suggestion to do something else. Right. And so from, from going to fashion to business, even though you could have turned your fashion talents into a business, like going from fashion to now studying business could have devastated or wrecked someone else. And so what is it about, and so I think there are lessons for people who are listening, who can right. be reluctant about where they need to go in their business as well. But what is it at a young age? Cause you were, you were a young, young, young woman. What was it do you think about you that was just like, all right, I can't do this. You know, it's obvious that my mom won't be able to afford this, but I'll just do this.
2: Yeah. My dad, those moments, I'm a listener and that's how I function in life if you say something to me, I'm a listener and I'm a forever student. And so my dad, the way he would sit me down, it was so intentional, Sonia. My dad had very black and slick hair. And so he would come home on a Friday because he was a construction worker directly out of the army. Mm -hmm. And he had this stuff for his hair called Vitalis. And he would have me comb the vitalis through his hair. And in that, in those moments is when he's telling me the world is not fair, you may not always get what you want, it's okay to dream, you don't have to conform to anyone. Those things were literally, I didn't realize how much they were ingrained into me until I needed to pull on them. And when my mom devastated me by saying that, I was not a bratty kid, so I was just like, okay, but dad said I could do this. And dad said I could do that. And dad said I could do this. And I can I can make this into that if I have to. And for me... And he was a fighter. My dad was a fighter. One of his and my mom's biggest fights was whether or not to get me a doll or a pair of Pro ked sneakers. I wanted the Pro kid sneakers. My mom wanted to get me the doll. My dad was like, no. My dad was showing me that I didn't even have to conform to what she thought I should have. And so for me they could have devastated me i am a, i'm very sensitive i'm the only girl but i i had something ju- that was poured into me intentionally by a father who with you know just with his wisdom knew that i was going to need that in order to become who i am today
1: can we talk
2: about listening as as a
1: uh, as, as a really powerful trait like that is? And I think for particularly for black women, uh-huh. particularly for people of color, I had a good friend of mine said that, you know, she believed that one of the reasons that that black women were seen as loud is because if we weren't, Right. Like nobody would hear us and no one would listen to us. And so, you know, sometimes we can be more defensive or sometimes we feel I even feel like the culture that we're in now is really to tell people, like, always speak up and always talk a lot and always make sure that you're letting people know you're in the room and letting people. And but there's a lot. And I'm not saying that any of those things aren't. Right, Um, but there's also a lot of power in listening and and it's not a strategy that people talk about a lot. And um, I wasn't prepared for that in our conversation, but it's, 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 so I hope I'm not putting you on the spot for some things that you might feel or think about you know, the power of, like, you don't always have to respond. You don't always have to, you don't even always have to agree, right? But listening can be so powerful when, um, in terms of, you know, assessing situations, gathering information, yes. and, um, you know, and, and, and just kind of staying quiet and seeing what's going on.
2: Listening became very important to me because I, as the middle child, I never felt heard. I never felt heard. My mom was super, super close to my older brother. And I thought that as a girl, I was supposed to be very close to my mom. And so as I got clear, as I became clear um, in my my late teens and my early twenties, and I started to see myself, I was very loud. I was loud because I had spent the majority of my life not being heard. Mm -hmm. And when I wasn't being heard, I also wasn't learning anything. I also wasn't being um, nourished and nurtured either. And I began to understand, I remember there was a line in American Gangster with Denzel Washington, and he's talking to, T- well, um, Ejafor, and they were walking into this party, and he said to him, I told you guys not to buy anything with your money, and here you are, you're loud, your suit is loud. He says, don't you know the loudest person in the room is the most insecure person in the room? And that I remember that just kind of stabbing me, and I was like, there's more insecurity still in me, that I need to really pray about, think about, get rid of. And my husband often says uh, to me, he goes, babe, you're being really quiet. And I'll go, yeah, I'm just listening. Mm. I'm just listening because I believe in listening. I think women, are, first of all, women are the most powerful gender you can ever find. Mm. We are so powerful. We don't need to be loud, mm. but people don't tell us that. We think because we are the weaker sex, we are weak. It is because we're the weakest, the weaker sex that we are strong. Mm -hmm. We hear you. We feel you. We smell you. We are you. And so when I realized that I did not have to be loud, I remember my husband coming into the home office one day and I was having this conversation and there was a look on his face. He was just disturbed. And I said to him, I put my hand over the phone and I go, what's the matter? He goes, babe, can I just say something to you? I said, sure. He goes, There's a time to be a lion and there's a time to be a butterfly. This is your business. If you can take it down a little bit. And he's been that voice of of reason for me when it comes to understanding how powerful women are and how our tenderness is what speaks volume, Mm -hmm. how our... Um, Clarity, because we're quiet, is the storm that that you're needing when it's necessary. That when we are listening and hearing what you're saying, we're learning who you are. I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Because I am a forever student, I want to learn as much as possible. When people talk to me, I can be at a party and I can be quiet. We were just in the the Hamptons this weekend and I sat at the table, I was very quiet. And then my husband brought me into a conversation and the gentleman goes, you were listening the whole time? (laughs) I said, yeah, I was listening the whole time. He said, you jumped right into the conversation because I'm listening. And I begin to talk to him and he goes, How did you get that? Like, how did you get that other (laughs) conversation? Listening has so many levels to it. But when you are clear about who you are as a woman, as a person, as an entrepreneur, as a parent, when you are clear about who you are, you don't have to talk as much as you have to listen.
1: So how did you become so (laughs) self-aware?
2: (laughs) my self-awareness came when i decided that there was something different that had to happen in my life um it was about 24 years ago i had completely stopped dating i had become engrossed in self-actualization self-help the bible um talking to older women who knew more than I did, getting clarity about what womanhood is versus what it had become. And there was some ugly in me. I didn't have any female friends because I was brought up to believe that women should not have women friends because women are too catty and they're too backstabbing. So I didn't have female friends. Um, I didn't have um, a sense of who I really wanted to be. And so I took a break from people and dating um, and hanging out with my friends for about three years and just learned about who I knew I wanted to be. It was lonely, it was scary, it was different, it was uncomfortable, but it was so necessary because when I came out, Sonia, I literally met my husband. And when I think about all the junk I got rid of in those three years, he would have never accepted that. And so it was, it was a, yeah, exactly. I would not have been able. And I say that to him all the time. I said, the reason we met when we did is because I would have ruined your life because I was ruined because I was unhealed from a lot of stuff, from that little girl not being heard after my dad died, all the way up to not being able to have the dream of of being a fashion designer. I had hurt that oh, had wow. come along with me, You know, you know? He literally said to me, I see you though. I had never had a man say that. And it was weird to me. What had I allowed myself to accept before that I was getting differently now? That was going to continue to raise the bar of my womanhood, my womanness, my ability to be to know when to be a lion and when to be a butterfly, to be able to have that balance and put those things in their proper perspective, and be okay with that. Be unapologetic about that, because at this stage of my life, I am woman. You will hear me roar because I am gonna. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it is. It was about finding the strength that was meant for me and not my mother's strength based on her hurt. She tried to give me her strength Mm -hmm. and her perspective of life Based on her hurt, I wanted to. I wanted to purge and come up renewed, and that's what I did. You're saying so many things um, that, I,
1: I, and I know for folks who are listening, we're going to tie all this back to business. But it's, it's, and I, and I think those who are listening can see. Um, yeah, business correlates in that, but it's true. I think we do carry so on top of our own stuff. Right. A lot of times we are carrying the pain of our fathers, of our mothers and, and, and not even understanding like how the stuff is playing out in our lives and sabotaging, right? Our dreams Mm -hmm. and our goals and the things that we, that we're, that we're reaching for. Let's, let's, let's go back to your first job. You said you've only had two in your entire
2: life. Well, I, you know, in, Back in the day, I had I, you know, I worked at the mall. We all kind of right, right, exactly the mall. had those jobs yes, yes, but your first but, adult job. My <laughs> first adult job was working. I literally um had a friend when I was at the mall who worked for the the executive offices of Woolworth. Mm-hmm. And she was deciding to leave I was just studying um, at that point um, the, the, the manager at the, at the mall, the store I worked at Was a jewelry store He wanted me to study um, diamonds And so I had just started studying about diamonds And this girl came into work one day And she goes, I'm leaving my full-time job Do you want it? I was like, what? She goes, do <laughs> you want it? I said, well, what do you do? She goes, I work for the Woolworth building and I was like, okay, what would I have to do? She goes, oh, you would um, help run the store planning department of Woolworth. I was like, I never, I don't wanna do that. And she goes, it's easy, you should try it. <laughs> I was like, what? The, when I tell you, I, this girl and I were like this, we passed each other at work. We were not friend friends oh at problem. all. And so I said to her, I was like, sure, if you think I, you know, I, I'll i fit there, You know, set up the interview. She set up the interview, Sonia, and the gentleman I interviewed with wasn't he wasn't asking me questions about the job. He wanted to talk about the fact that I reminded him at the time of Robin Givens. <laughs> That was your interview. (laughs) That was my interview. And as a young woman, I'm like, is this what's supposed to even be happening at a corporate Ah. job? And I'm letting him talk to me and ask me questions. And he asked me what I wanted to do. And he goes, yeah, I think this interview is over. Thank you for coming in. And I walked out annoyed like, I was so annoyed. Like, why did I have to sit there and let this man over me and talk to me about mm-hmm. how he has this big crush on Robin Givens? And as I'm leaving, about to go into the train, he calls me and he goes, can you start on Monday? <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> this was on a Wednesday. He goes, can you start wow. on Monday? And I was like. Yes, I can start on Monday. I My first corporate, my first adult job was the um, one of the planners for the store planning department of Woolworth. We, we just planned the stores all over the world. And anywhere you could think there was a Woolworth store, we planned those stores in my department. And again, I think it was just a bump in the road because I was only there for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you to this day what I learned. I can't tell you the the, necessity I think the biggest thing I walked away from, there was a black woman in that department, all the men were white in that department. She was the only woman she was, she was, she was black. I remember her say calling me in her office one day when I first got there. And she said, never let them tell you who you are. That's it. That's all I remembered. That's literally all I remembered. And I see it as a gift that I needed to allow to happen and take it in, um, in order to know what I did not want, right. in order to further confirm where I w- I did not want to be. Yeah. My second job was as a school teacher. I loved it. When I tell you, I absolutely loved being a school teacher. I just, I just could not stay there past the point that I was there. Yeah. I was teaching for seven and a half years. Um, and then when it was time to go, you know what happened? I was being stubborn again. I was like, I don't, want, I don't want to leave this job. I love my students; they love me. I'm about to get transferred to high school. I'm loving this. I fell down the stairs one morning oh my and became paralyzed for a year and a half. Talking oh about talk about changing your entire mind, heart, perspective. I'm laid up for a year and a half, not able to walk. Because I was too stubborn to walk away from that job when I was supposed to because there was something else for me. I was supposed to mm-hmm. start doing this then but I got comfortable right And that's the thing about being an entrepreneur. we can never get comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Never ever, ever get comfortable. Be willing to be uncomfortable. And don't look at discomfort as a as a displeasure. right. Look at it as a growth spurt. We mm-hmm. all have growth spurts. You know what I mean? If you have children, you watch your children go through their growth spurts. You may not remember your own, but you watch your children go through their growth spurts. Your business does the same thing. So does your heart and your mind have to go yeah. through growth spurts to be an entrepreneur, to be a business person. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the what, only two jobs I ever had.
1: What's What's fascinating too. So I didn't, I didn't know about um, your accident and the, and the paralysis, but mm-hmm. you know, when you said, that the woman at Woolworth said, you know, don't ever let them tell you who you are. You know what came to me is that, like you, you had gotten consistent messages, which most of us do, right, throughout your right, life from your dad, right. from your mom, from situations that moved you into different directions. From this yes. woman at Woolworths, and, and maybe the one time you didn't listen is what you're saying, right? The, the, yes, the one time that you didn't listen, um, <laughs> it, it gave you time to listen. Some, it gave some it, more. girl because what girl was that year and a half it. like? Were you
2: afraid that you weren't going to walk again? Like what? I was, was already like, told I wasn't going to walk again. Oh my gosh. Ah, I was already told I was not going to walk again. They could they did everything except back surgery. I had everything from Um, Hydrocortisone shots in my back They had, I had, you know, these Major MRIs in these machines I had never Seen before The the school had specialists come in To check on me, no one could Figure out what was going on And the only thing I could chalk it up To, Sonia, I promise you I was like, God, this is you This is you trying to get my attention Because I was just being so hard-headed And Mm -hmm. not listening And the doctors, all of them Hands down, said, We we don't believe you'll ever walk again. So you have to get ready. Girl, I stole my car. I was in the process of getting out of my apartment. I had a duplex in Jersey City. I can't, I can't utilize a duplex. I was ready to my whole life was changing. My entire life was changing. And I was in a really horrible relationship. Really, really horrible. And the first couple of months, I'm sad. Like, I don't wanna see anyone. I don't wanna talk anyone. Talk to anyone. I didn't let my best friend come over. I didn't let my mom come over. The only person I let come over was my brother. I was just in my own funk. The clarity has to come. Rhonda, you're never walking again, period. And that's what you have to get used to. And so my mom gave me a Bible that I had never opened, never, and She said to me, every so often she would call me, she'd go, are you reading the word? No, mom, I'm not reading the word. I'm giving her attitude, stank attitude. No, mom, I'm not reading the Bible. Nope, nope, no. Why do you keep calling me asking me? I'm not reading the Bible. And when I (laughs) tell you, it was just, I was angry. I was yeah. angry, like I knew everything that I had done and wanted to do, why was this happening? And one day I I said, okay, I'm gonna start reading the Bible. Maybe at the year, maybe at the 13th month mark, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start reading the Bible. I've done everything else. I'm going to start reading the Bible. I start reading the Bible and I get stuck. So you'd already been on your back for a year. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. My brother, my, my brother and my boyfriend were the ones that were taking care of me. Mm -hmm. My mind you, my brother had just had a brand new baby and was living in New York while I'm in Jersey, but he's taking care of me, checking on me, bringing me food, making sure I'm okay. Taking me to my appointments. If he couldn't take me, then my best friend was taking me. So, At like the 13-month mark, I'm reading the Bible and I start reading specifically the book of Psalms, and I'm looking at the life of David and how David was this, you know, this mighty man who then had to come really low. Really low. He had to get out of his own way. And I'm just like, wow, was I in my own way all of this time? Now I'm just talking to myself because that's all I have at this point. When we get closer to the the 14th month mark, the 15th month mark. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm really loving the time I'm spending in the word. Then my heart starts to change. My mind starts to change. Then I'm talking to God. I'm having one-on-one conversations with God. And then one day when we hit that (laughs) that year and a half mark, Sonia, this voice says, get up. I know I'm the only one in the house. I am the only one. So I'm looking around, acting like I didn't hear it. I'm just reading and still reading. And then a voice says it again, get up. And then my heart knew that was God. And I'm looking at my legs. I'm looking at my body. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't know what to do. I grabbed my leg, took my leg off of the bed, arched my body up. Grab the other leg Put it off of the bed Now my bathroom was right adjacent to my bedroom In this in this duplex And I all I said to myself was If I could get to the wall uh-huh. That means that I know I'm walking I know I'm walking If I can reach that wall And all I remember Is when I got the second leg off of the bed I inched myself to the edge of the bed And the next thing I knew Sonia I was at the wall now specialists told me I would never be able to do that and so that put me in a space a head space and a heart space that my life was destined to do something other than maybe what i thought it was supposed to be supposed to be or what i was supposed to do but I, but the thing that has to remain consistent is i have to leave my heart open for the change. I have to leave my heart open to move. I have to leave my heart open to pivot if I have to. Yeah. But I cannot get complacent. I cannot sit still. I cannot be so numb that I can't be nimble to move about. And 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 whatever that next move is, I have to be able to make it. Once I got Up that day, I have been walking ever since. But I've also been listening to those voices—the voice that when it's time for me to move, I'm moving. When it's time for me to do, I'm doing. When it's time for me to listen, I'm listening. When it's time for me to talk, I'm talking. So it became a full-on life change for me. It was almost like a rebirth for me. And so the fire is still here. I think it's stronger than it was before. Um I already have new entrepreneurial ventures that i'm working on because the fire is still here i'm a I'm a forever entrepreneur i'm a forever student. I need to always be learning if i'm not learning something in me gets really sad so i'm learning about my business i'm learning about other people's businesses i'm learning about what it means to be an entrepreneur in twenty twenty one um I'm learning about what it looks like to be a black woman owning a business still i've had my business for twenty one years. 21 years. But I've been in the PR industry for 30. That's not supposed to happen. That's not supposed to happen. But there's a resiliency in me that's going to keep me moving forward. I am going to to stop you here and I'm going to ask you to come
1: back. (laughs) So I I really want this to be a part two, because I think you've just what you did for us. And and I, and I love when these things just happen. I think what you did is you just laid a really solid foundation for anyone who's listening um, about this. But I would love for you to come back next week for us to finish this conversation yes. about how all of these things—the listening, being a student, dispelling the negative beliefs about yourself, mm-hmm. um, learning to to really trust who you are, mm-hmm. and um and and being okay with getting uncomfortable—like how all of those things have have sustained you in this thirty-year career that yes. you have, and um and the business that you have built, and the businesses is to come. Yeah, would you come back next week? Absolutely. And we <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. This is so what I, I I hope you all got what you needed. It's so much what I got, what I needed. Um, so thank you, Rhonda. This was incredible. I know you. Um, but didn't know all of these amazing stories about you. And so, um, yeah, I'm grateful that you're here and I'm grateful that you were able to share the story through this podcast. Yeah. And I hope that, I know that that um, folks listening have been inspired by this. And so I'm gonna tell people to stay tuned as well yes. to next week because Rhonda's <laughs> gonna be back and we're gonna continue this
0: conversation. Awesome.
2: Thank you, Sonia. Thank you so much.
0: The Business First Podcast is hosted and produced by Sonia Lee. Associate producer, Ariel Mancibo. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Business First Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on social at business underscore first underscore podcast on IG. The Business First Podcast is a mean old line media production.